0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hi, I'm Andy Herman of the Packet 8 Podcast. I'm here to tell you about TickPick. TickPick should be your very first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Pack a Day podcast and the Blue Wire Network.
2: Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast.
1: What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Pack-A-Day podcast. I am Aidy Herman. Your host for the majority of the day today will be Alex Strofe. And of course, we're joined by the one and only Perry Goldstein, as always. Let me ask you guys to begin with, we're going to get to the Packers win in just a second, but happy Tight Ends Day. Like, how was your Tight Ends Day? Because it was National Tight Ends Day. Bobby Tunyon celebrated. Mo Alley-Cox celebrated. Like, tight ends were going off throughout the course of the league. And I just hope you both had an amazing Tight Ends Day. <laughs>
3: Did you just want to say tight ends like ten times? Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> I wanted to see. I actually had a prop bet on how many times I could say National Tight Ends Day at the in the first ten minutes. <laughs> okay, so, Pack a Day. So
2: I hit. I hit it hard. Good yeah. for you. Nice yeah. for you. That's good. Yeah. Uh, happy for Bobby Biceps getting into the end zone. But uh, no, it was good, Andy. A Packers win on National Tight Ends Day. I'm happy. I, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't realize there was a National Tight Ends Day. Is there like a National Left Tackle Day that I'm unaware of? Every day no, is I National
1: think- Left Tackle Day, Alex. When you've got David Boxiari <laughs> as your left tackle, you celebrate every single day.
2: Fair?
3: I'm pretty sure George Carroll made this up to you give did. to okay, yeah, just to give tight ends like a day of recognition that they I think deserve.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, I'm not I'm not Positive on that. I don't think it's possible to tackle Mercedes Lewis. Like, I think he's just like, it, he decides when he's going to be down and he's just like, I'm good here. Uh, but that guy is just incredible. And it's so fun to see him not only flourish as a blocker within this offense, but to have a real receiving role as well. And we're, nobody's going to confuse him for a, you know, 4 3 tight end. He's never going to have probably another 100 yard receiving day in the remainder of his career for however long that is yet. But if you can get him the ball two times for 30 yards, whatever the heck he had today, that is still utilizing him as a weapon within the offense. And that's just like icing on the cake of what he brings down in and down out. And it just gives you like, it, there, there comes a point with some blocking tight ends where you might as well just put an offensive tackle out there because that's mm-hmm. all they are at that point. And if you can do just enough, I did not expect, by the way, to start this conversation with Mercedes Lewis, but I love it. Uh, if I you love can do that. just enough, to be a receiving threat that other teams have to kind of, you know, value you in that way. I mean, it just is so important. And, and again, I've mentioned this on Twitter the other day, like it, it boggles my mind how Mike McCarthy could not figure out a way how to use Mercedes Lewis within his offense. Kudos to, to Matt LaFleur for figuring out that insanely easy rubric, but uh,
2: Mercedes Lewis, a beast and I love him. How can't you, right? I mean, and you mentioned it, and I think they mentioned it on the game broadcast on Sunday. The first defender that goes at Mercedes Lewis ain't gonna tackle him. It ain't happening, right? So it's, uh, it's just fun to watch defenders bounce off the old man as he's, he's strolling down Lambeau Field. That was uh, that was fun, especially on National Tight ends Day.
3: Yeah, and he had three touch three catches today for thirty one yards. Andy, not two,
2: three. See, so show some respect, Andy. Yes, yeah. my bad.
1: I've yeah, I'm very disrespectful to Mercedes Lewis. But <laughs> no, I mean, what a stud! He's an absolute stud. I mean, and he, the, I mean, you can always tell how much a player means to a team by like the reactions he gets from his teammates and stuff. Like he's, he's, he's one a, I think on like everyone's list of favorite Packers in that organization. It's incredible. What was your gut reaction to this game?
3: Me? Yeah. Um, It was, it was just like a really solid win. I think the Packers are coming out with some really, like end-to-end solid wins this season. They haven't had a blowout performance yet, which I think is like what I'm waiting for. I was Mm -hmm. kind of hoping it would be today against like a pretty bad Washington team, but they still beat a bad team by two scores. They dominated the game pretty much from start to finish. Besides a field goal in garbage time, they held Washington to one touchdown, which was just on a Terry McLaurin insane catch. So I just thought the Packers are coming out looking like a really solid team, but there's like a lack of explosiveness still that I'm missing that I'd like to see against some of these better teams that they're about to play. Um, Yeah. I think that's my just like overall gut reaction to today, but like solid and like, I'll never complain about a two score dominant win by Packers.
2: No, totally. I'm right there with you. And I think you mentioned something a lot of us as Packers fans have been waiting on, right. Is that, is that total blowout, just dominant victory, and we would have liked to see it before we head into kind of what I think we should dub the gauntlet, right? This, this upcoming stretch of games that is really tough for Green Bay. Um, but I was overall impressed as well, Perry, right? I mean, it, it was a it was a from minute one to minute 60, a, a Green Bay game. I mean, you knew they were going to win this game. You felt pretty good about it throughout. It, it wasn't a blowout, but the defense stepped up with how beat up they are, which I know we'll get into here in a minute. Um, The offense still rolls, right? Aaron Rodgers doing Aaron Rodgers things. It was his his first touchdown pass where he's just falling on his butt and still making plays. Like, the guy's ridiculous. That offense is still really high-powered and and really, really uh, deadly, if you will. So, overall impressed. And, you know, as much as I would like to see a blowout, it was a big enough win where I think we were all comfortable throughout. We were never nervous the football team was going to get back in the football game. So, uh, I felt good. Andy, what about you?
1: Yeah. And I, if for some reason, the, the start of the season, while it hasn't been sexy, it hasn't felt like, 2019 where everyone's like, well, they're the most whatever, like disappointing 13 and three team or whatever the quote was. I hate that. These, these feel like legitimate victories, right? Like Chicago felt legitimate. Cincinnati, even though it took OT, felt legitimate. There was some bizarre field goal issues in that game. Pittsburgh felt legitimate. Washington felt legitimate. So even though, yeah, they're not putting up 30 plus points per game um, and, you know, I, I like the overall flow of the football games over the last few weeks. The defense I felt has stepped up and the defense has been much better than I think you maybe even they're getting credit for when you consider the injuries. Yeah. Some of the offenses they played haven't exactly been the most explosive offenses, but considering the injuries, I think green Bay has been really good on defense this past month. And I think, again, I don't, I don't think there's any flukiness about it. It's not maybe the sexiest. It's not maybe you know, 40 point wins or some of the stuff that we did see on Sunday from some teams, but it's important wins. And they won six games in a row. And again, caveat here, not the toughest schedule in the world, but, I liked it. I I like the way they're playing football. And I think Aaron Rodgers is is right. I think he hit it right on the head. They're close to being where they want to be, especially offensively, but we've, we've seen enough positive signs, both on offense and on defense, even on special. the very first thing out of Matt LaFleur's mouth today basically was how he thought his coverage units were really good in this game. Uh, And so, I mean, we're seeing positives in the right direction in all three phases, And I think that's what I'm most excited about. And the other thing I want to get to really quick, and then we'll kind of continue on. You mentioned this gauntlet part of the season. It is still a very tough stretch in my opinion, but nowhere near as tough as it seemed at one point. Now, a couple of these things are still going to play out. This Arizona game is insanely tough. I don't think there's any question about that on a short week. Kansas City looks insanely human right now. They they didn't even score a touchdown against Tennessee on Sunday. Seattle very likely could be without Russell Wilson, potentially Carson as well. Um, So that team certainly doesn't look as good. I'm not scared of Minnesota. Just don't. I'm not at all. Los Angeles, absolutely a tough game. Not scared about Chicago. Baltimore, absolutely a tough game. Cleveland, I mean, they're battling a million injuries, but they don't look as tough as they once did at one point. And then Minnesota, Detroit, like – it's still there's still some tough pieces, and I guarantee Kansas City is still going to give Green Bay all they can handle. Seattle, even without Russell Wilson, that just has the, you know, it's just going to be probably another one of those bizarre Seattle games. But it's not quite the the death, you know, March that it once right. seemed
2: for Green Bay. No, you're totally right on that. and And I think, you know, as we get into the season, we're starting to understand a little bit better what each of these teams are but on the same note you have to realize Green Bay's defense is still pretty beat up and we'll see where they're at as we roll on on the short week. I'm not optimistic we're going to have a a, a bunch of returns, right? So, uh, as we roll on, I think Green Bay will casually get healthier and hopefully, you know, lead up to a really good stretch and I'm hope I'm still optimistic they can piece together several wins in this gauntlet um including Thursday against Arizona. I know it's a short week, I know they're short-handed. But I feel really good about Green Bay's chances after seeing what they were able to do against Washington on Sunday. So uh, we'll see. And Green Bay's allowed to be human. They're 6-1. and one. This is exactly what we wanted going into the stretch as well, right? You knew it was going to be a loss. You weren't sure it was going to be week one to New Orleans. But you figured there would probably be one mixed in in those first seven weeks. So this is pretty much where we thought Green Bay would be at, I think, before the season. So you've got to be thrilled with with the result and the actual Uh, you know, the, the fruition of six and one heading into this Thursday night game. I think
3: the reason we feel like better about this next stretch though, is because the Packers have been performing well. Like, I don't think that we would feel any kind of like, I mean, going into Arizona for sure is if it's a loss, I don't think it's going to be a surprise, but I think everyone expects the Packers to come in and be competitive. Same with all the other games that Andy listed off. Like, I think that they're a flip of a coin at this point with, rams cardinals i mean the lions took it to the rams today we just watched it so i think there's yes some of these teams do look human like the chiefs but i also think when you walk into this you feel good about the way the packers have been playing and have been battling and how they've been able to put together wins without some major key players on the team
2: totally and And i mean the defense andy i want to get to here is is really what stuck out on Sunday, right? Against Washington, a team that couldn't make a red zone stop to save their life. All of a sudden looks like they're the best red zone defense in the national football league. I don't get football sometimes, right? Like this was, uh, this was quite the turnaround, especially shorthanded without all the guys we've mentioned. So what the heck changed Andy? What, what, what did you see that I didn't?
1: That's another one of those beautiful mysteries of football that Aaron Rodgers likes to talk about. And yeah, you know, you, you go 15 for 15, or I guess 0 for 15 in, in defensive stops prior, and then you go 4 for 4 uh, against Washington. Now, yes, it's Washington, but and they got a couple, you know, a couple of interesting plays, right? Well, that that play where Heineke dives for the end zone and his knee is down. Yes, his knee is down. If you're not touched and you are a runner and you are diving, like you, there should be no down with a knee. Like you you should be able to get forward prior. It's a stupid rule, uh, but it worked in Green Bay's favor, and I'll certainly take it. Uh, obviously the, the, the stuff at the one yard line, Adrian Amos made a play, uh, in the end zone, Chandon Sullivan had an interception. Um, and then of course they kicked the field goal on the other one. So uh, overall much, much better performance from the Packers defense, uh, in the red zone specifically, bend, but don't break doesn't always work, but in this game, it worked perfectly. Gave up over 400 yards of offense. And uh, I mean, Taylor Heineke almost ran for hundred yards, uh, but when it came to the red zone, they were able to get stops when they needed to. And it's very rare that you see a team have 400 plus total yards and end with only 10 points, give a ton of credit to, to the red zone defense. They were within the 27 yard line on six different occasions and only gave up three points on those six occasions. That's absolutely insane. And this is a perfect example of what Ben, but don't break is supposed to look at. And then it looked like, excuse me. And then I think the other big thing here is you look at the last four games, 17 points allowed, 22 points allowed, 14 points allowed, 10 points allowed. That's what 63 uh, points in four weeks, about 16 points per game. Wow, That's much better. And now they've got, they've given up 17 points or less in four of the seven weeks this season. Again, some poor offenses they played, no question about it, but I mean, Cincinnati put up 41 points on Baltimore and that was one of the teams they played in giving up 64 points in four weeks or 63 points in four weeks. So uh, they played NFL teams and they got away with 64 or 63 points in four weeks. Excuse me. Easy for me to say. I like the way that this defense is trending. Perry.
3: Yeah, I agree. And I think the way they're playing sans four of their best players is remarkable. I think this game for me was really about the turnover battle and they won that handedly and almost had like two more fumble recoveries. Like the Packers just dominated and were around the ball at all times. And that's what you have to do. You have to be like a little scrappy when you're missing your star players. And I thought, I think the front is starting to play a lot better than we could have ever expected. Right. You saw Rashawn Gary finally come alive. I think he's really like impacted the pocket a lot, but hasn't gotten home yet. And he gets two sacks credited to him today. One of them was a strip on Taylor Heineke and it just lets the rest of the front, like do what they need to do. And I think Taylor Heineke came into this game, like one of the least sack quarterbacks in the league. And they got to him a number of times. I think one of them should have been a sack. They got the ball out and that was Rashawn as well. So they're just like getting home when they need to. And I, like Andy said, they're trending in that direction. They need to continue to do that against like much better quarterbacks. And then on the coverage, like you just can't ask for more from a guy like Razul Douglas who comes in off a practice squad and now all of a sudden is a starting cornerback and is like him and Eric Stokes are taking over snaps for Kevin King and Jair Alexander. And so what you want about Kevin King, like those guys have played in the playoffs, they've been in the NFC championship games. Like th- that's a tall order. And they played really, really, really well. I mean, just like really well. I thought the peon on Douglas was not existent, it was like but it. It, it wasn't there. It was actually great coverage. Um, and then you get Savage back and you've got Savage and Amos back there, like just kind of steadying everything. And mm-hmm. I just, I'm just very impressed with the way like Joe Barry has been able to rally these guys, even with a ton of injuries,
2: the energy's paying off. I I know uh, we talked a lot. Yeah. Right. We talked a lot uh, heading into the season with Joe Barry and all the energy he was bringing uh, to training camp and practice. seems like it's actually translating now, which is good. And and you mentioned Russell Douglas Perry, right? I mean, this is a guy who I had no idea who the hell he was a month ago. And now he's playing starting quarterback for the Packers (laughs) in, in week seven. So, uh, Crazy how the NFL works sometimes, but certainly impressed with the defense. We mentioned kind of the, the asterisk on uh, one of those first drives in the red zone for Washington, that probably should have been a touchdown, but it wasn't ball. Don't lie. Right. So we'll, we'll take it any way we can. Uh, But overall, again, I think after the the rough start, the defense had, it was good to see heading into aforementioned gauntlet that they were able to make some key stops throughout this game. And, And while it wasn't super close it was still encouraging to see they, they were able to get it done. Right. And can we talk about Devondre Campbell for a second? I Please. mean, yes. my goodness, it's stupid how
1: well he's playing. And it, again, this was one of those games where there's no interceptions, there's no sacks, there's no forced fumbles. There's nothing like that from Devondre, but everything. Just 13 he's, tackles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Just only that. But in, the thing about that is there, there are times and, this is not a a bone to pick with Blake Martinez, but there's times where those 13 tackles can come, you know, 10 yards down the field, or you can kind of, you know, they start to add up over time just because somebody had to make the tackle right. And wherever it was, it was, he is so consistent and he is almost just like a magnet to the ball. And like everything just sort of revolves around what he's doing in the middle of the defense. He can get anywhere he needs to on the field. His speed is so evident and then just the consistency of tackling when there is someone in his space, that guy is going down and he is going down like with ease. Like there's no issues when Campbell's in the area. I love how he's been as a pass uh, in, in pass defense, just everything about one year, 2 million, one year, 2 million is absolutely mm. stupid. And it, it was right. I don't, I don't disagree with any other NFL franchise for not giving him more than that based on his tape going into the season, give this Packers uh, coaching staff, And scouting staff and everyone credit for making this work. And of course, the majority and most of the credit to Devondre Campbell for having this sort of season. But my goodness, does he continue to perform? And it is awesome to watch Green Bay have a real life athletic linebacker who can get off of blocks, tackle anything that moves, cover in space, move in space, get sideline to sideline. It is stupid that they got that for one year, two million dollars. Packers football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Packer tickets anymore, because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Recently, I was just able to pick up tickets to Packers Vikings in Minnesota, going to be heading West for that game, attending my first game in the new Viking stadium. Cannot wait for that. Let me tell you, it was so incredibly easy to use TickPick. No awful service fees. I cannot recommend it enough. And the easiest way to do so is by going to TickPick.com slash Packaday today to save $10 on your first order of Packers tickets or any other tickets that you want to purchase.
2: Christian Kirksey left. So Devondre Campbell could thrive, right? I mean, is that the way we view it? (laughs) There was a Christian Kirksey on Christian Kirk tackle in the Texans, uh, which was really fantastic.
1: fantastic. Christian Kirksey and Christian Kirk crime. Uh, But we, I do want to get to other players, obviously in this game that stood out, Perry, I know you wanted to talk to some Eric Stokes, which is just shocking because I know you hate talking about corners.
3: (laughs) All right. Call me out. Yeah. I mean, look, like, Stokes has been thrown into a situation that nobody expected him to his rookie season. Like I definitely had him pegged to start around like this time this year, week seven, week eight was when I thought that that's when they'd kind of start rotating him in, at least as a starter, just kidding. It had to be week two basically. And he's gone up against, I mean, Jamar chase now Terry McLaurin, he's about to go up against some really great, wide receivers he's getting like some serious reps for a rookie that you don't normally see and he's not giving up much like I thought his coverage on the one Terry McLaurin touchdown in the game was about as good as you can ask for like does Jair Alexander give up that touchdown also like maybe I just don't know how much more like you could ask from him especially because he's not getting like that much help and he's He's traveling with the number ones. Like he's all of a sudden CB1. And I just, you have, to, it's hard to compare to other corners because everyone's in a different situation. Everyone's a different skill set. But you're looking at other guys who've been taken in the first round and they get thrown in there at the beginning of their rookie season and they just get, continue to get torched and get picked on. And you just don't see quarterbacks picking on Eric Stokes. And like I said, haven't been the best quarterbacks. We'll see what happens when we do go up against some of these better offenses that the Packers are about to face. But I just think that he's really developing into like a top, a top corner. And he has some most, I think like top five pass breakups in the league amongst all cornerbacks. He hasn't given up many that are like, Oh, that was really bad. Like that was a bad kind of coverage bust on his part. Right. And he doesn't have Jair on the other side of him. Like he is it. So I'm just incredibly impressed. I think there's obviously still some things he can clean up. Right. But for the most part, like he just hasn't given up what you would expect a rookie to give up.
1: I mean, the, the Lions spent what a top five pick on Jeff Okuda a season ago and he's injured this year, but you know, go look at his rookie year last year. Give Stokes over Okuda right now. Like no question. If you told me which player I could have moving forward, I would want Eric Stokes over Jeff Okuda. Um, so just is, it goes to show how quickly that can fall apart for a young corner. I'm not saying Okuda can't still be good. He absolutely can. But um, I liked what Stokes has put on tape over anything that Akuda's put on tape in this career, in his career so far. Um, but yeah, I think there were quite a few standouts in this game. I'm, I'm going to give one that is maybe surprising, but probably shouldn't be Aaron Rodgers. Like <laughs> I
0: think I've some added- of the times that so you can surprising. just surprise
1: Well, but I mean, in a way, because like I think sometimes you can just take a 270 yard, two touchdown performance from Aaron Rodgers and just be like, yeah, that's very normal. But that defensive front from Washington was everything as advertised. Jonathan Allen had two sacks. Montez Sweat had a sack. Chase Young was very active. Uh, you know that that entire front gave Green Bay fits. They couldn't run the football at all against them, and they ca- they continued to get pressure. Rodgers had a couple insane Houdini moments and being able to buy time, but. I don't care if you're Aaron Rodgers or anyone trying to play quarterback. When you get that level of pressure early in a game, it is so easy for the eyes to drop and start focusing on what's happening on the offensive line and where the pressure is coming from. And you all of a sudden don't see those plays down the field, the Bobby Tonyan in the end zone. You don't see the ball, to Devonte Adams that he made the ridiculous catch on. And those plays don't happen because your eyes are on the line trying to figure out how you can get into a passing lane first, then looking up, seeing the passing lane and realize, oh, I missed all of my windows because my receivers went through them. And now we just have to add lib. And I thought Rodgers did a tremendous job of continuing to have faith and trust in his offensive line, even after the pressure against a really stout Washington defense. And that, to me, was one of the huge differences in this game. And even with Aaron Rodgers, we have seen this in the past. And again, when when you have the Byron Bells and some of those of the world where it's just a turnstile and everyone's getting through, his eyes start to drop and everything goes to crap. That can happen even to Aaron Rodgers It didn't in this game. Credit Green Bay's offensive line for making some adjustments as the game went on and kind of getting better as the game went on as well. Uh, But I thought that was one of the real keys is that he continued to be Aaron Rodgers even after what was some impressive pressure from Washington early in that game.
2: Yeah. You knew what to expect with that front seven, right? You knew how good they were coming in and it hasn't been their, their greatest year by any means, but you knew they had some freaking ballers and that showed today uh, the the way they were getting to Aaron Rodgers a bit and, and, you know, getting through that O line, but overall he never ceases to amaze. Does he number 12? I, I mean, come on. That guy just does some things that nobody else can do. And that, Includes the very human, as we've learned, Patrick Mahomes. I think uh, Rodgers continues, when, when he is freestyling, if you will, he is unmatched. And it showed again, and I referenced the play early in the game a bit, a bit ago where he's falling on his button, throwing TD passes. Like, how are you doing that? Like, I'm going to the hospital. Right. I'm going to the hospital with a with a tailbone injury. Like, how are you how are you making this happen? And uh, it's, it's such a pleasure to watch him operate at such a high level yet again this year. I'm sure he'll be in the MVP conversation again if he continues to operate like he did against Washington. It was it was a real treat again. I mean, it's just. It's, it's unbelievable. Like, I, I, we thought a few years ago, maybe this would regress and maybe he'd slow down. He has the MVP year in 2020. And now he's just doing these things again, with the exception to week one in 2021. It's, it's really freaking special.
3: And he's he's reminding everyone that he can still run, which I think is really <laughs> fun, right? Like, he operates so well in the pocket. And I think my personal preference would be to keep him there because he's just methodical with the way that he gets the ball out. But when you were playing against a defense like Washington and they're bringing pressure and it just opens up a running lane for him, you don't expect Rodgers to run at 37, but he can and he will. And he did this game and he had oh, two parries for 17 yards, but like one of them was for a big first down. And I think if, if you're watching this game and you're about to go play Aaron Rodgers, now defenses have to remember, oh, yeah, that guy can scramble.
1: And it's not just the positive yardage, right? Like the the way that he bought time for the Devonte Adams touchdown was again, super important. Um, even though he didn't run up field, his ability to again, keep his eyes down the field, use his legs to buy more time on a key fourth down. I know it's early in the game, but first drive fourth down. And you know, you don't get that there. Roger stays in the pocket and pocket collapses, you know, that's seven points off the board. That's such a huge play in him being able to use his legs. If we're going to talk about one goat though, We have to talk about the other. We have to talk about Bojo. We have to talk about the greatest punter who has ever lived. I think we can agree on that. I don't think I'm saying anything controversial here. What a freaking punt to get it wow. to bounce. There's literally like, if you took like a piece of paper and like, like between the goal line and the football dropping, there is <laughs> you could not a uh, fit, a piece of paper in between those two things. And then to get it to backspin so right. that it bounces and comes backwards and they can down it at the three yard line, kudos to the referees for ultimately getting that Right. That was incredible. The punt from the end zone, which was, what, a 50-plus yarder with amazing hang time, no return to switch field position a little bit. That was almost blocked, so insane pressure, still crushes the ball with amazing hang time. He has been – I mean, we talked about Devontre Campbell being a revelation at linebacker. He's been a revelation at punter. And, again, kudos to Gutekunst and the scouting staff for – having zero money to spend on new players this free agency or in, in off season, and yet coming up with Devontre Campbell and Bajorquez, who have both been phenomenal at their given
2: positions. Love it, right? I mean, I, I tweeted last week, and it applies again this week, I didn't realize Bojo could make punting fun. Like, I've never gotten excited about punts unless I'm watching, you know, Pat McAfee or Marquette King out there, right? Like, when I see Bojo getting it this close to the goal line and EQs down there trying to swing at it, like, uh, how is that? Is that luck? Is that skill? Is it a little bit of both? I was on my feet because of a punt. That doesn't happen. For the, Especially for the Packers
3: special teams, like, right, I mean, they never do anything. You watch the Patriots <laughs> like a couple seasons ago, and they do stuff like that all the time. Packers are just like the most mundane. Like you just want them to make a tackle on special teams. That's how <laughs> low the bar is, and this is what we're talking about now.
1: I, I wrote today, I, you know, for the recap for Packer report. I, I did my full recap, and I wrote in there. This is the very first time I've ever wrote a punter stat line in a re, in any foot, football related article I've ever done. I wrote about. <laughs> Bajorquez's stat line in the recap, because it's crazy. It's just, it's really fun to watch him punt. And it's just fun to actually have, like, it's never fun to punt, right? Punting sucks because it means you're giving the ball away. But like, if you're going to,
2: that's the freaking way to do it. And kudos to Bajorquez. It's just amazing. Yeah, he's been electric, and uh, like I said earlier with Christian Kirksey, we had to get rid of J.K. Scott to let Bojo thrive, and uh, he's certainly done that through seven weeks. Uh, again, I mean, I've never been exciting about, excited about punting, but Bojo's made me excited, so it's, it's a breath of fresh air in a sense, I guess. Here we are, talking about punters, just living <laughs> our best lives. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, any other players that stick out to you guys? I know we, we talked, on, we talked on Campbell. We talked a bit on Rashawn Gary. Uh, we talked on the punter, which I love Andy Herman's punting minute. Uh, anybody else that really stuck out?
4: I'll,
1: I'll take Shannon Sullivan just for a second, because sure. uh, last week he was my third highest rated defensive player right there with Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary thought he had a phenomenal week last week. And then he comes back as the interception in the end zone this week. And I thought was once again, sticking coverage and it was even called out by Aaron Rodgers and Rogers post game presser um, saying that he thought Sullivan had a really good game. So uh, I'm excited to throw the tape on for him again this week, because I think he stacked success and put two really good weeks back to back. And who knows if that's a Kickstarter for, um, you know, the rest of the season, and he can really, you know, do well with that. But um, I was very impressed with how Sullivan's played the last couple of weeks.
2: Totally. Anybody for you, Perry?
3: There's a few. Um, I mean, it's nice to see Lazard like consistently getting involved again. Yeah. I think he's been asked to do, and they say this all the time, like all the dirty work, right? And it never gets celebrated or really noticed unless you're nerd fans like us. And You know, he takes it in stride and doesn't care. In the last two games, you've seen him been able to, like, get a bunch of really big and important, like, timing-wise receptions. He's had two touchdowns now. So I hope they're able to sort of build off of this with him because he's such a dynamic player and he's been such a great blocker, but we forget what he can do in the passing game as well. And I think as the Packers' offense gets healthier and starts to roll, I'd like to see more of him.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of his work, at least that shows up on the box score, happened in the first half. But six targets for Lazar today, which I, I didn't look at the rest of the box scores the rest of the year today. But I think that has to be close to his highest of the season because he hasn't been terribly involved, at least in terms of receiving the ball. Obviously, we know how good he is when it comes to blocking. But um, yeah, no, he, he jumped out today. And the lack of rushing the ball was a good thing, right? Aaron Jones only had six carries. A.J. Dillon only had three. Of course, he had the late fumble on one of those carries. Rodgers was the second leading rusher for the Packers. Uh, It it was good that you didn't need to really get too deep into the running game. uh, As you just kind of controlled clock, you allowed Rodgers to operate and create with 35 attempts on Sunday. I I, I thought that was good. Like all around, as I mentioned at the top, I felt really, really good about the Packers performance on, on all three sides.
3: I think they're going to have to like commit to the run a little bit more against oh, sure. better better teams. Like I think against Washington it's it's okay to maybe just have Rodgers sling it a little bit more and I guess against that front the run game just wasn't matriculating, but I don't love it when Matt LaFleur starts to just forget about his running backs. Like the Packers are wildly i mean statistically wildly more successful when aaron Jones gets at least 15 carries in a game and i think like that balance and even if he's getting one two yards a carry like you're gonna have to continue that um, especially against better better offenses that are you know aren't going to get rid of the run and they're going to test the Packers defense who gave up a lot of yards today um in the run game and you know Aaron Jones is a really dynamic player when you take him out of the equation on offense it it just makes them less dynamic. Sure.
1: I think I think Matt LaFleur, in a way, is constantly looking for ways to mitigate negative plays and to play to the strengths of his offense while also trying to find the weaknesses on the opposing defense. And I think he realized quickly that, just running into this Washington front four was probably not the best way to go about business. Even, you know, it, it's one thing to want to continue with the running game, but if you end with 20 carries for 40 yards, like, did you like, was it really worth it? Like, or would you like, cause you, you might be able to get one 40 yard play in just one pass play, like um, rather than running 20 for 40 times. So I think in general, Perry, what you're saying is a million percent correct, but I do think there comes a time and a place where you just have to realize, okay, this isn't going to work. And this is just basically wasting downs by doing something. I don't think it was that way today, but I do think a couple other things played into that. I think you go, you know, a couple of those possessions, like possessions for Green Bay, One of them was like the the, before the two minute uh, warning where they were going basically all past because it was two minute drill. And then they had the two drives that started within their own five yard line, basically, where, again, running the football and trying to get it out of there probably wasn't the best thing either. So I think some of the situational circumstances played into that as well. But of course, Washington's front. I mean, the one thing I didn't like seeing, of course, was the the two fumbles by AJ Dillon—one lost, one not. It was a bizarre game. You know, Heineke had the fumbles. Uh, you had uh, Antonio Gibson, etc. So it was a, it was a little bit of a bizarre game, but uh, hopefully, you know, it's it's not an issue for Dillon moving forward.
2: Definitely, I think I think he'll clean it up, right? I mean, we know we know how good of a player he he is Absolutely. and can be, and this was his real real first blunder, I, I would say, as as a Packer. So. Uh, all is forgiven, AJ. Don't you worry about it. We're, we're, we're all good with you, but hold on before we wrap up, guys, I I do need to know we love the jerseys, right? The throwback jerseys. I want to start the campaign to make those, the home jerseys. I loved them. See, yeah, I, love sick. them but I, I love them, but I love them in moderation. Like
1: I think okay. if that were the, the every home game Jersey, I'd be like, yeah, it's fine. But I give me the old one back, but, uh, or the, whatever, the current one back, but um, I did like them. And I think, I wouldn't even hate it if it was like two games a season, right? Especially now that you've got a 17-game season. Like, if you told me that they did it two times a year, I'm totally cool with it. But I do think they need to keep them in the rotation because they were that clean and that great. But, uh, they, I mean, I think they got amazing reviews from players, fans, everyone, yeah. and they, they did a really great job with it.
2: Yeah, I know Corey Banky and Aaron Nagler got their own jerseys. Andy, Perry, were you guys special enough to receive one or not not quite as cool as those guys?
3: No, I'm not a big Jersey girl. I only have a handful of like my absolute favorite players. And I like refuse to buy them, especially because I'd hate to have a Jersey of a player that like, is no longer a Packer. I do like the OGs. Um, But I was really tempted to get one of these. They're sick. They're like, they're fire. The guys look great out there. Um, I agree with Andy. I think I would love to see them like reoccurring. um, Maybe not every week, but reoccurring because the originals, I mean the ones that they play with now are you know, that's, that's what the Packers are.
2: I'm going to put your name on my petition anyway, just, you know, both of okay. yours, uh, just, you know, so thanks for the permission. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, real, real quick hits uh, Arizona, four days away, only short week. Are we nervous? Are we excited? Or I, I mean, I, I need to gauge the interest Perry. I want to start with you.
3: Packers go to the West coast in prime time makes me nervous. Yeah. Just like full stop. Um, And the Packers, I think what, I think what Arizona does is a little bit of like the Achilles heel to what the Packers are good at, right? So stopping Kyler Murray is going to be a challenge. Like of course, now you you know like Joe Barry and Matt are going to game plan for all of the quarterback looks that Kyler Murray is going to get, but doesn't leave me feeling Good that the Packers are going to be able to like execute on that if they can't stop, you know, Terry McLaurin and Jared Goff from running all over them. So that's really all that I'm, I'm worried about from like an offensive standpoint. I think the Packers will be able to move the ball against the Cardinals defense, but it's really just being able to like mitigate Kyla Murray's ability to extend plays.
1: Well, yeah. Stuff. Don't love the Thursday road game. You know, I think that is probably what I would say for no matter what the situation, when it's a team like Arizona and one of the worst things, like the more time that you can get for a quarterback, like Kyler Murray to figure out how you are going to spy him. Like it's a totally different game, right? Like I know Heineke just ran almost for hundred yards and things like that. But when you have a quarterback that you have to spend extra time spying and figuring out different defenses for like, that's what a lot of times why you see those, those quarterbacks, those more mobile quarterbacks struggle a bit more in the playoffs is because teams spend so much time game planning for those specific quarterbacks and those quarterbacks don't see that same level of preparation in the regular season. Well, Green Bay gets no time to prepare for Kyler Murray. So short week on the road in Arizona, uh, Kyler Murray at quarterback. I think that's not a great recipe. I think Green Bay will absolutely be in the game. I think it's going to be a great heavyweight fight um, in the desert and I can't wait for the game and it should be just be one of those enjoyable, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, you know, awesome games, especially for a Thursday night game where we usually get like, you know, right. dolphins, Texans or something. <laughs> uh, so this should be awesome. And I can't wait for it. We got to get out of here though. A- Alex let, let, hit me with your final thought from today.
2: Yeah, no, overall impressed with both or all three sides of, of green Bay's play The the black field goal, which I don't think we had a chance to hit on is never ideal. If it's not one thing with special teams, it's another, but I think they'll, they'll patch it up. They'll be ready to go. I've got faith. I think they win on Thursday, Andy. Love it. Terry, what about you?
3: Yeah, I feel like solidly comfortable with where the Packers are this season. And I'm obviously hopeful that it's only up from here, given the way that they're stacking success and that they're going to get some guys back who haven't been playing because of injury. So I think it's, I think it's really like the sky's the limit for them for the rest of the season. If they're playing like this now.
2: Snap yeah. the streak, <laughs> snap the streak. There you go, man. My
1: final thought, I don't know how Devontae Adams does what he does. That catch is just absolutely ridiculous. I'm at a loss. I've literally lost ways to explain how freaking good he is at the sport of football. (laughs) It is a absolute pure joy to watch him play the sport of football every Sunday as a Packer fan. And I am not taking that for granted. Perry, Alex, thank you so much for joining me. Perry, where can we follow you on Twitter?
3: At Perry underscore Goldstein.
1: Alex, where can we follow you? Love the underscore at Alex underscore stroke. Snap the streak, baby. <laughs> you can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you so much for joining us. But until next time, and as always, go Pack
2: Go.
3: Go Pack Go. Love
2: talking football with you guys. So fun.